0: I hope I don't have some coughing fits. Hey, Will. You got coffee breath. I said coughing, not coffee. I know, but I can smell your coffee breath through the microphone. Hey, welcome back to the campfire. This is number four. Uh, we took a little week off. Will had uh, had the COVID. The COVID. Uh, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. How was that experience for you? It was delicious. I had it with a
1: side of regular flu.
0: So it was big meal. It was a, a sickness cocktail, and you were just stirring them all in. I was just stirring it in the bowl, like a big bowl of faux. Just so, but really, it was it was pretty bad, right? Because you you were laid up for a while, tired, all the things. You basically said, "They said here's the a la carte for COVID and sickness for January," and you're like, "I want one! I want one of everything." Today we got uh, some logs were thrown on the fire. You just put out a uh, blog post that was pretty, pretty good. I think, Uh, I know that you were a little rough on yourself about it, but I think it was great. I think you used the right amount of big words. um, uh, Your, your, your comma, your comma usage is at an all time uh, stellar high. So that was good. The fish stinks from the head. Okay. Tell me, tell me about the fish stinking from the head.
1: (laughs) Well, nobody likes a stinky fish head
0: and you know what they say, family and fish stink after three days, you know, <laughs> that's not what the pose was about. Just uh, full disclosure.
1: It was about stinky fish heads, meaning horrible bosses. Have you ever had a horrible boss?
0: I've had some horrible bosses. I, I like to say sometimes the worst examples are the best teachers. Um, and if nothing else, it helps you realize what you don't want to be. But I think a lot of that opportunity when you're in it dealing with the horrible boss, if you don't have the awareness to be adding to that list of what I don't want to do, then you can really get stuck in why am I even here doing this? But I think everything has, has value and everything has some sort of, I don't know, some some inventory that you take with you to the next thing. And I think that's kind of what you were trying to hit on, is that if, if you're not getting it from the top or whatever, the, so, so, the, so the leader goes, so go the people. Have you ever been a horrible boss? See, here's the thing. I don't think, no, I've, ever I've, I don't think about- I've ever been a horrible boss. I don't think I've ever been a horrible boss.
1: I know. The point is nobody thinks they're a horrible boss, right? If I think about all the times I've been in leadership, I'm like, dude, I was awesome. The problem is you were sucking in some ways, right? So when I look back at it, I know there were times that I was just totally flubbing it. And the point is that typically when you're a leader, you think that your people have the problem. But the fish, the Chinese proverb says the fish thinks from the head. Meaning that the leader shapes the culture more than they realize, and like you and I, just like we said, we think, oh, we've had horrible bosses, but we've never been a horrible boss. That's the problem, right? It's it's a it's recognizing how you're crappy, <laughs> and recognizing how you're shaping the organization around you, and that what we have found is that self aware leaders have better opportunities to improve the organization by taking ownership and how they are shaping the organization, and that how oftentimes. You know, when we're visiting with people and they're talking about babysitting their employees or they have low engagement, they never bring themselves in the conversation. And part of the challenge is admitting as a leader that, man, I have a bigger impact on the organization than I realize. And just from what I've witnessed from working under different man, you know, leaders, when they come in, you can see how people the 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 junior leaders and even just people within the organization their behavior shifts depending on who the leader is so the point in the blog was that the human animal is a social creature and is shaped as much by its environment as by itself you know i think we think that we're so autonomous and you know we're we're consciously in control but what i have witnessed is that people change the way that they stand when new leaders come in, they, they change the way they talk, they change the way they make decisions. And that's because people within a group are looking to somebody to be the leader. And whoever that person is, they are going to shadow or mirror how that person behaves on a subconscious level. And so it's been fascinating to see how different leaders come in and the people that they're, you know, that they're leading start to mirror their behavior. And that's how much impact positional authority, the person that's in control has on, on the subconscious part of the human mind. If you talk to people, they probably don't even recognize that they're shifting behavior. I know when I have talked to them, they don't recognize it. And so uh, just creating awareness within the, within the organizations can start with the leader at the top and how much impact they have and create an intentionality with the way they speak, behave, make decisions, uh, encourage people. And I think that that leads to a conversation of what is leadership all about?
0: Well, then that, that is kind of the big question, though, is what's the difference between leaders who have that light bulb moment? And they're like, yeah, I do need to start with myself because it seems like a lot of times like we just did that experiment. Two of us right here think, yeah, I've, I've always I've slated as a boss. I was great. Um, so what's the difference between a person who says they raise their hand and say, yeah, let's start with me, because most of them think that a lot of the issues are just down there at the boot, uh, boots on the ground level. Well, it's both, right? I mean, you can't just you can't just say, "Oh, it's self awareness," right? Something has to click to where you then have self awareness. Yeah, I think
1: first it's it's recognizing. I've heard so many times from, especially founders of of small to medium sized privately held companies. They start a company, they grow it, they hire employees, and a phrase I've heard time and time again is, "I feel like I'm always babysitting." So the way that they are looking at their employees is that. Their employees are a pain in the butt. They're like little kids and they have to babysit them, which is probably true, but there there are multiple reasons for why that is true. As the person who is leading the organization, the only thing you control are your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. And so if you're always saying it's your people, but the common denominator is you, it provides an opportunity to look in the mirror and go, okay, so is it in my hiring systems? Have I not been clear with expectations? Is it how I develop people? Do I have a need to hire a certain profile of person? Why do I feel like I'm in a situation where I'm having to babysit? And I know sometimes people say, "Well, that's the quality of person you get at the pay level that I have to pay." Which maybe maybe that's that's a challenge. But if you look at an organization like Chick Fil A, who figured out how to put values in place, you know they're paying lower wage uh, on the wage scale, and yet when you talk with Chick Fil A owners, they you don't hear the same conversations. So what that tells me is that there is an opportunity, no matter what the pay the pay scale is dictating, to hire. And develop and create an atmosphere of excellence. And well, so the atmosphere
0: you, you just you just hit on. I mean, it's a cultural thing, right? You're always you might be the best boss ever for real. Like you might be really good. And you're still going to have people that need to be baby, babysit. Yeah, for real, for real. You might still have people that you have to babysit, quote unquote. But are those then going to just get weeded out over time because they're not going to they're not going to survive in a good culture because that's they're not wired for that. So it isn't about the pay, it's about what, are you, what sort of standards, guidelines, culture is set up in the company for that person to feel like they can thrive, they look forward to going to work, they want to wear the t-shirts that they're representing. How do you get someone from point A to point B is I think the, the bigger question is like, what, what would we do, what do we do to affect that change? in an organization
1: yeah and in the blog one of the things that i've talked about is the opportunity to have your your direct reports back so if they feel like you that you are that that you have unmerited favor for them that in hiring them you are really wanting to to build a relationship a development relationship with them to see them prosper and if if your direct reports feel like that is the case, then that starts to bleed downward. Uh, so it, I think it begins with the person who's leading the company deciding that the reason I'm in business isn't just about the bottom line. It's ultimately about more than that. It's about the people that I am serving through our, my clients. But it's also the people I'm serving through my payroll. That my employees you know think about employees typically spend more time at work than they do at home so what an opportunity to shape their life and if the the person who's running the organization is really coming at it from a perspective of doing the best for his people that'll shape the culture in itself so many times i think people feel like a number and that they're only there for the bottom line and a business that that loses the spirit and only has the bottom line is going to have an engagement problem and so if you give people a higher purpose a deeper meaning To what they're doing that's going to bleed through and like you said it'll social proof the organization where you're always going to have bad apples but if the bad apple becomes the only bad apple because the peer group is enforcing the values and and the standard of the organization that person will leave the problem is when you have a cancerous environment and you add bad apples and the cancer grows because you haven't controlled the culture then it starts to metastasize and you've got a, a serious problem because the negativity is going to build. Negativity can only build in the darkness. And I think the light is spending time intentionally developing your employees. that's why when we work with companies, that's what we offer, right? We come in and we spend intentional time pouring love and light into their employees to develop them, to help them be the best. Because what we've seen is when they're the best, the the organization's the best. Just by someone hiring us and saying, I'm valuing time and money in this person's personal and professional development. But so often people's You know, they look at the opportunity to do that and they go, yeah, but how's it going to impact my bottom line? They don't recognize that the human capital, which is their payroll, is their biggest investment in their business. They would invest uh, into a supercharger for their human capital. They could get so much return from it. But oftentimes they see it as they just need to work harder. They need to do more.
0: So, it, so you got a small business owner or a large business owner, any leader right now listening, what would be, what would you say is like the one thing you could start with right now? If this resonated with somebody, what's the one thing you could do? What's the first baby step? What's the first thing to initiate to start this process going? Because you got to start somewhere and it, it might not necessarily always be hire a firm to come in and just revamp everything. There are little things, little steps that people can take right now to just get that culture to where it starts even moving just one tick this way, you know? And I think that that's a valuable thing to talk about. You can ask for feedback. Now,
1: the the caveat to asking for feedback is if you ask for feedback and then you do nothing with the feedback, it's actually – so if you're going to take the first step, then you got to follow up with the second step. And I think, you know, Brene Brown's big on the talking circuit, right? Everybody's buying her books these days. She talks about vulnerability. Just asking for feedback is practicing vulnerability. Stepping in going, hey, I'd like anonymous feedback on how I do as a leader. And I'd also like to learn about the way we look at the culture collectively here. I'd ask to to you to fill out an anonymous survey, and it could be just having people write it down on a piece of paper, right? But you know, you could create a survey and I'll keep to ask for feedback. What would you describe our culture as? And asking the question of, do you know what the vision of this organization is? Do you know what the mission? Do you know what the values are? So many times, companies put that stuff on a piece of paper, but then they don't communicate it and they don't live by it. So their employees don't even know it exists. I mean, they probably have been through it in an initial training, but they don't know where it is. So you can ask questions. The first thing to do if you want to create awareness is ask questions. We oftentimes have so many answers, but it always begins with the question. You know how many
0: surveys I've taken with companies that they're like, all right, here you go, guys. Uh, This is the annual survey. It's anonymous. We look at all the answers and you know when you're filling them out that it's going to be, nothing's going to happen with this. And so you're just like, okay, um, sure. You know, this... And you submit it, and that's one of the worst feelings in the world, I think, is to have somebody solicit something from you thinking that you – have some now agency and power to give your voice and then you know that it's just going to be shut down. It's a very defeating thing and when you do that enough over time with people it starts getting them to where they're they're so jaded that they don't think that there's anything good that can happen from any of their voice or their feedback. And the problem is, is a lot of those people that are giving their voice and their feedback that's the stuff you want because they're the ones with their hands on the product every single day. But it is a defeating feeling to know that they're this is going nowhere.
1: But you're you're exactly right. If it's perfunctory exercise it does damage, right? And we've all been a part of that where it feels like just an exercise that has to be done. And so I think you're right, going back with the first thing to actually do is someone has to shift their heart posture and it's gotta be the person who's at the top. If they don't shift the way that they look at their organization or their people, you can run any exercise you want. You're not gonna create the change because once your heart changes, everything else goes in line. Our first step is actually to decide I want to do this different. I don't want business just to be about the bottom line. I want it to be about serving people and ultimately an act of love. If you create a business, I mean, you have an opportunity to love on so many people. And love can look many different ways. I mean, we could talk, you know, what do you mean by the word love for an hour? But it's an opportunity to to shift the way you view what you do. And if you do that, then the the steps that you take won't really matter because it'll be coming from your heart. That's that's probably the hardest step, but the the... <laughs> ultimately the, the most important and first step.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> a lot of times when I was hiring back at my previous life, right? very municipal, very kind of government oriented. Um, There was always something on the sheet that says other duties as assigned, right? That's the blanket statement that is going to say, well, you're going to do all these things and then you might have some other stuff that are going to be assigned. And I remember thinking, I have no problem with that blanket statement of other duties as assigned. When you believe and you're fully bought in to the person that is asking you to do that stuff, do you feel like that person has the best interest for you in mind, even though they're asking you to go a little bit outside of the box of duties and service or whatever that looks like? you're going to want to do it because you're bought in to a ideology and you might not even believe necessarily in the mission or the vision of the the big company, but you believe in the person that's asking to do it and you trust that they have your best interest and they want to see you do well. And there's something that happens. It's amazing how you'll want to sign up for things. If you feel like you're not being taken advantage of, if you feel like you're being heard, and if you feel like you're somebody that is cared for more than the nine to five, who are you as a person? Cause you're more than just what you come here and do for eight hours a day.
1: Yeah. And you, you can't fake that. Right. So I mean, no, if you don't know, me- know it
0: right away. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was part of an organization where a new leader came in and that person was more of a vampire than anything. They were there to suck the life out of the organization. It was amazing how you had a culture where people would go above and beyond. And then what you started to see was people started leaving. And then you started hearing what you just said is, oh, well, that's not my job. And I had been at that organization for a long time. And I hadn't heard that before. I was and I was shocked when you started hearing people entrenching in their silos and going, "Yep, I'm not going to do that." And there were there was a separation being created. And man, you talk about an organization falling apart. And to me, when I looked at it, it was coming from the head. You know,
0: the first uh, litmus test for you to see if that's what's happening to your company, if I always could see it happening. It's whenever emails just begin to get forwarded, it's like a hot potato, right? I'm going to forward this. And then if they're forwarding them at the end of the day, right? Because if I forward it at the end of the day to somebody else, they're going to get it, but I know they're not going to really look at it at the end of the day. So that'll at least give me, if it's the end of the day, Friday, then you really pushed out that buffer for anybody doing any work. And I saw so much of just a hot potato of tasks because the silos started being built so stringently about this is not, and nobody wanted to work together. The other thing is that when your supervisor doesn't stand up for their people to where it was something that was supposed to be done by somebody else, but somebody tried to go a little bit outside and help out and be a team player and then they get their hand slapped, that shuts people down immediately. And then you just get this like, uh no, no, I only do these things. And then if it's not my job, I'm just gonna afford it. I just keep forward things. You know, as long as you're fording it, uh, it just it stays churning and, and but nothing happens. A lot of lot of activity, no progress.
1: Yeah, and I think that going back to that circle of safety, right? Like you said, hands chop. Why would I stick my neck out if I I'm gonna get my hand chopped for trying to go above and beyond, right? So then it creates fear within the organization and people go into survival mode. And man, you kill a culture. You think of camaraderie in sports a lot, but think of camaraderie in the workplace. And so often, you know, I think, especially old school leaders, you would say the time at the water cooler is a bad thing. And then I think tech companies went the other direction, right? They started putting in foosball tables and they thought that built camaraderie. But as we were talking earlier about authentic relationships, how do you facilitate authentic relationship, mutuality and sharing and give it direction, right? And I think that that's where clear vision, clear mission, hiring people who feel really called to that mission and then allowing them to use their gifts can create an unbelievable culture. But it's a, it's a dynamic thing that you have to have your finger on. And thus the reason you'd want to work with people who, spend their life studying how people come together and and perform at their best.
0: Well, it's funny you, you did that kind of natural transition to authentic relationships because What do you think the power is outside of work and leadership and bosses with just one-on-one peer relationships with still asking those same questions for feedback? You know, like a a good friend of yours, uh, if somebody that's really important to you that you say, hey, what do you see in my life right now? Like, where do you see is some areas that I've, I remember when we first started chatting before campfire started, you looked at me straight in the camera and said, hey, something's off with you. Um, And the ability to have an open connection with just relationships and not necessarily uh, boss subordinate relationships that introduces a whole other element of that authentic connection and relationship. And what do you do with that feedback that you were given for somebody that you trust and care for that's telling you something they see? What are your thoughts on that?
1: So, I think what you're asking me is when I receive feedback within my personal relationships, what do I do with that feedback?
0: Well, I mean, are you even open to that? Is that a lot of people don't even live in that little, that little zone or vein of, of soliciting, Hey, I'm kind of feeling this. What do you see happening right now? Or what, what are some of your thoughts on how you think I'm handling like, like the open lines of communication and relationships, it usually happens to where there's some sort of tension and conflict and there's a blow up. And then you're like, Oh, now we have, we have to do like disaster remediation Instead of having that open line of communication to where in real time, you're kind of pinging, seeing and how things I think there's value in that for even one on one relationships.
1: Yeah, I have the opposite problem. I'm too open to feedback. Um, You know, in, in the book, Iron John, he talks about turning copper into iron. Copper is a conduit and I have a tendency I can feel people. So, you know, when I'm when I'm with somebody, I am picking up all kind of signals and I've been hyper aware. It's how I grew up hyper aware of others and what's going on with them and ultimately to the detriment of myself and others, you know, too reactive. And so learning to turn that copper conduit into iron when appropriate has been my challenge. So being open to most people, most
0: people aren't, most people aren't like you right so the people that do want to live in their silos or kind of their separated little huts right to where they don't ever let anybody in it's really hard to have an engage in an authentic relationship when you really don't want to let anybody in it takes courage i i believe that
1: if you become aware that's of what your, i was getting that's what i
0: was getting at is the courage to lean in even though it's going to be uncomfortable that is yeah, that's the differentiating <laughs>
1: Totally. If you want to grow, find that, like we were talking about at the that, the group we did recently, find your razor's edge, find the area that makes you uncomfortable and lean into that. So if you're uncomfortable not taking somebody's feedback, meaning not caring what people think, practice doing that. If you're super comfortable just not caring what anybody thinks uh, or worrying about their feedback, practice actually trying to care and <laughs> ask for feedback. And it's, but,
0: it's so, <laughs> so funny. You have to look like, it's so funny thinking, what? hey. I know your your limits are you caring what people think. I need you to try to care a little bit about what people think. It's such a funny kind of idea that most people are like, I don't want to hear anything that people have to say to me. Uh, so then your razor's edge is now, I, I, I need you to just lean in a little bit more. Can you care? Can you care about what somebody says to you? Can you be a little bit open? Well, hey, man, I was talking to this,
1: this coach, this business coach this week, and he said, I'm really low on EQ right and his business coaching focuses on revenue and performance so that can be a really positive thing especially in the arena of business or warfare right your ability to not care and shut it all down and just get the job done that's an excellent strength but you you can what that can do is leave an emotional wake and not a positive emotional wake so i talked about that in the blog too right is that somebody who is getting the job done at the expense of people around them. Eventually that shows up in low retention, turnover, uh, low engagement, all kinds of issues. And so it'll work for a short time but not a long term. So the key is learning to balance, right? Is is we talk a lot about king, warrior, magician, lover, the warrior archetype of, of going in there and shutting off some of those those caring feelings when you've got to do your duty, that can be a strength. It's just can you wield it intentionally, and are you dynamic enough to where you know when to go, okay, look, naturally, I'm not an EQ guy. Like, you and I know a guy who has no empathy, and his marriage struggles because his wife is like, he doesn't care. He wants to connect to his kids. They don't feel like he cares. He struggles with the EQ, but you put him in a negotiation, dude is ice cold, right? He's going to shut it now. Challenge is he hasn't practiced accessing that part of we all have the ability to access it. We just shut down it and it atrophies. So if we can lean into that area where we're we're uncomfortable we're like, okay, today I want to care. Which usually maybe so for like instance, maybe that guy gets invited to go to therapy with his wife and he's like, There's no way I'm going to therapy. The thing that you're saying there's no way you're gonna do, if you want to create change is the thing to go
0: do. Yeah, that thing that you say, I'll never do that or you'd never catch me doing that. There's there's a yeah, certain kind so of there's a certain kind of uh, when you put that flag in the ground, it, it re- it's speaking actually really loudly about kind of those edges that um, you, oh, know, yeah. might, you might need to test out. And those
1: the flags are marking your, your edges, right? I mean, that's right. that's a brilliant visual, right? Oh, and- no, nope, there's no way. Yeah, you just marked your edge. Good job.
0: <laughs> yeah and so I think that it's a it's a uh, it's a tool chest right and so one of the things that we talk about a lot is just the awareness and sometimes awareness is not necessarily the thing that's going to fix all your problems the awareness is telling you here's your tool chest right these are the times that you need to lean in these are the times you need to be empathetic these are the times you just need to get stuff done and then you know exactly what to grab to do the thing that you're about to do, but you would never know because you didn't even know you're walking around with those tools. And so that's kind of the power is that's the first step is knowing exactly what you have to work with. And then your job, the person's job, is to choose which tool to use at which time. What's that thing? And if, Look, you're, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail? Yep.
1: And the problem is when, you're, when you feel like a hammer and you go try to be a screwdriver... People tend to give you awkward feedback, right? So like when I was trying to create some change in how I was relating and operating more from an empathetic state and listening more, you know, what I heard was that you, you're like, what you're doing is weird. Yeah, it's weird. Cause I have literally, I'm a hammer learning to be a screwdriver. It's not easy, right? And so recognizing that if you're getting feedback that what you're doing is awkward or weird, that's probably a good sign because again, you're operating in an area that you had no proficiency in. And you're learning to to create proficiency, and and a lot of times the first step to success is failure, right? So understanding that, you know, when you're when you're stepping outside your comfort zone, it may get weird.
0: Yeah, I think that the uh, relationship aspect of it, and the boss subordinate aspect of it, there's a lot of those parallels and correlations. Um, and the other thing to remember is. That a lot of the people that are closest to you and know you the best, when you start getting, uh, you start sourcing and seeing a theme amongst some of the people closest to you. Um, it's that was what it was for me. It's a good time to stop and take stock of, okay, well, this person who's extremely close to me said this, this person who's extremely close to me said this, and they're very aligned. They're very similar in kind of what they're trying to communicate. They might not be able to put their finger on it, but they can identify kind of the fruit of what they're seeing. That was the time to dig in. Whereas a lot of times in the past, it was the thing that you would shut down even more. Oh, I don't want to hear about the things that people are noticing because it's a really uncomfortable situation or topic for me to deal with, trauma, past, history, whatever whatever it is. But that sometimes is people's edge, is to lean into a thing that you know that you have a lot of people with thoughts about that are kind of abrasive, maybe disruptive, maybe whatever it looks like. That's an opportunity to just rip off the aid that you just keep, uh, medicating with, right. To just topically deal with. Um, that was something that I had recently. That was a, a very strong moment to be like, man, I have these people in my life and they're so close to me and they're saying so many things and I'm sitting here just being like, nah, no, nah, nah, it's fine. Buffer, buffer insulation. I don't want to deal with that. Um, and you really kind of extend time for healing and growth, the longer you push those things out. So I really think that I've always been a great boss always man man if 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 there's ever anything that i've always done great i was thinking man it's been a great boss and i hope nobody i've ever tell you you are my favorite
1: stinky fish head
0: well it's because i try to i use a lot of um those pine tree car fresheners i wrap them around the stinky fish head so you kind of get that sweet um piney fish fish smell Yeah. Every time I go,
1: every time I go to the Thai restaurant, I go. Give me the Bidifi Newt special, please. And what do they you know, say? Oh, it, sir, you need, I, oh. you need to leave. You need to leave now, sir. Extra fish heads. Got that it.
0: hasn't been on the menu in a couple of years. <laughs> that got outlawed in the nineties. Something else I wanted to hit on is the uh, retreat. It. The retreat coming up. So we got another opportunity for a group of uh, people to go out, live a little bit outside of their comfort zone connect with some people, uh, dig deep. And, and, you know, with the M-Code assessment and getting a little bit of that awareness about how people are made up and wired and the opportunity to outwork that in some sort of adventure aspect is going to be exciting. So we got those dates coming up the end of March, and we're about to send out a, a one-pager kind of about what all that entails. It's going to be good. The feedback we had from the people on the first one, I know we already did a retreat recap, but there was a lot of meaningful connections there that are still thriving today. I think that if you're somebody who really is a, at the a precipice, if you're somebody that that resonates with and we really want you to reach out to us, we're going to be putting it out on social media. Yeah, it's going to be a good time.
1: Yeah, the cool thing is, is to think No, I. You know what happened is I moved my microphone cord. God, you're back though. Edited back, back in black. Yeah, just I have think so about, much you know, editing to do. The guys that went out think about how, like, what an amazing time and memories, experience, friendship. The feedback we got was just so good. So I'm excited for this next group of ten that don't even know what they're about to get into because it's so different. And I'm excited for them. So we'll see how it comes together.
0: Yeah. So stay tuned for that. And um, I think that's a wrap for this one. What do you think?
1: Let's wrap it.
0: All right. And that's a wrap.